0: The issues that matter most right here, the Drew Mariani Show on relevant radio in daily cases over the last six days, while New Jersey down 17.6 percent, Vermont down 22 percent, Washington, D.C. down 25 percent in just the last week. So could we be rounding the corner on this variant, at least in the northeast? And what does that mean for the rest of the country? I
1: think it is good news, and hopefully over the next couple of weeks to month, we're going to see cases going
2: down for the rest of the country as well. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, I hope that's the case. I'm sure you do, too. How are you holding up? You okay? You battling the Omicron variant? You sick? You know, I, I, my daughter, my daughter Olivia Rose, right, my, my baby, she's my young one, um, she had COVID twice, and then the other day, my wife says to me, "Olivia's got a fever." I'm like, "What? She just recovered over Christmas from COVID." Um, and I, who knows what it is? There still is the flu, right? There's still colds, there's still sickness, there's still fever. Um, she tends to be a pretty healthy girl. I don't know why she's been so under the weather. Um, but you know, say a prayer for her if you could. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about COVID today. I want to bring you up to speed. I try to do this at least once a week just to give you the latest news and. What's happening with different vaccine, vaccines that are out there and, and what the latest are in terms of numbers. And if you've got a question or comment, if you want to get in on the conversation, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya is going to be stopping by. And The number here to get in is 888 Take advantage of this opportunity and uh, feel free to join the conversation. Let's start with this. Let's start with Johns Hopkins University. Uh, they were reporting that... We've got now what more than 5.4 million, 5.4 million new cases of COVID in the country alone just last week. That's 5.1 million cases the week before. That's after that, okay? So 5.1 the week before, 5.4 million. So you know ballpark number, 10 million cases in our country in two weeks. that's that's wild. I mean, it's just absolutely wild, 10 million cases of COVID. I bet you or somebody you know has battled it. Scientists right now are attributing this to the Omicron variant, but um, they're saying the reason is it's much more transmittable. I had read somewhere it's like 70 times more contagious than than Delta. And, but they're saying it's not as bad as Delta. And, you know, we as a show team, Maggie and I and, and my producer, Tom, we were talking about this last week. Uh, we were trying to get a program together for you and we can't tell you how many experts and guests that we went to that said sorry i can't join the broadcast today i'm I'm, I'm battling covid uh unbelievable numbers um and and i know you're not i know you know this we're not alone with such large numbers israel if you take a look internationally what's happening uh there are some people who received two boosters after the initial vaccination and they have now broken the global record For daily COVID cases per 100,000 people. They've got around 425,000 cases a day, you know, per 100,000 people beating out Australia, which is 410. The U.S. is 230. The EU is 210. But with 10 million new cases in two weeks here, it's almost impossible for you not to know somebody who's battling COVID right now or as... In the past couple of weeks, I mean, post-Christmas, I knew there would be this eruption, and and clearly we're seeing it. So what's the administration doing? Well, to deal with it, uh, the Biden administration is going to start handing out at-home COVID tests, and I think that's great, right? So they're going to be – you're going to have access to home tests. How accurate they are, I'd like to find out from Dr. Bhattacharya. We'll we'll see what's going on. As well as – and 95 masks – you know, those are supposedly the best in terms of, you know, dealing with these issues because uh, you, know, you can't just use those little you know, neck gaiters and things like that anymore because the Omicron variant can go right through it. Starting next week, though, you can order, and just put this on your calendar, just a little good-to-know factor. you can order four at-home tests per family. I don't think they're bad to have. Stick them next to the the Tylenol, right? I mean, <laughs> somebody's not feeling well, take that quick at-home test. And we'll find out how effective these are. I don't know whether these tests are, are, are worth, you know, worth it or not. Um, there's a government website out there, um, and I'll try to find that for you as well, uh, where you can sign up for the at-home tests and get these 400 million masks, which are part of the national stockpile. They're going to be given to pharmacies and clinics that are already distributing the vaccines. So, each person can get three of those masks, but as uh, – uh, thank you, Maggie. Maggie is such a good producer. She gave me covidtest.com. That's the website. Thanks, Maggie. Oh, dot .gov. Uh, covidtest.gov, and that's where you can sign up and get all that stuff. Um, so, look, we'll talk about it. NewJersey.com pointed out it's still unknown of kids. You know, those N95 masks, if they have kid size, whether they're going to be available – whether or not they should even be worn, But let's talk about it. We'll take your calls. We'll tap into the expertise of Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, teaches at the Center for Primary Care and Outcomes Research at Stanford University School of Medicine. Also a great specialist in infectious disease and a wonderful contributor to the program during this COVID pandemic. And doctor, it's good to have you with me today. Good afternoon. Thank you, Drew. Nice to be here. Yeah, you, you know, we're, we're seeing so many cases right now. It's uh, It raises questions about the vaccine's effectiveness, right? But it also raises questions about whether or not you need to get a vaccine. I know several people who have been fully vaccinated and boosted, and yet they have suffered from COVID. Uh, I know people who have not been vaccinated who suffered from it. And they say, well, you know, the people who aren't vaccinated, they it hits them a lot harder. Um, if you had a previous type of COVID, you know, you might still get, Omicron. I think of my daughter in particular. And then you got Dr. Anthony Fauci saying that we're actually just in the first phase of five different phases of this pandemic. Let's start with Fauci and then we'll take a few phone calls here. Five different phases of this pandemic. I saw that earlier today. I'm thinking what? This is phase one? The first time I heard anything about five phases um, I'd love to know what you know. Is he correct about that? And and secondly why did we wait two years to find out that there's going to be five phases to this thing?
3: So, uh, when he was talking about five phases of a, of a pandemic, um, it, it's, so I do infectious disease epidemiology uh, for a living, I can tell you, so his, his, he has in mind a very hypothetical idea of how a pandemic goes. A pandemic uh, rises. Then, eventually, it, we get some, some control over it, that's, that's phase two, it, then it becomes so, sort of endemic in the population. Um, that means that it doesn't go away, but it's still, it's still floating around, but it doesn't cause the huge increase in cases that we've seen in the last couple of years. And then he has, as phase four and five, this sort of hypothetical, let's get rid of the virus from the face of the earth. Now, those phases will never happen with this virus. That we've only ever managed through human intervention to, to get rid of a single human virus, smallpox. And that virus didn't have any uh, animal hosts. You, so you, you couldn't, you know, the, uh, this disease, unlike smallpox, infects lots of other mammals. It affects bats, it infects cats and dogs, it infects mink, it infects deer. 80% of white tailed deer have COVID antibodies. When you have a virus like that that affects so many different species and that's so so widespread, uh, without a vaccine, that can to get can, that can get rid of it. We'll never enter phase four and five. So I don't know why he brought up those four right. and five. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me.
2: That's fascinating. Let's take a few calls. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Love to hear from you, Doctor John is listening in Ocala, Florida. Doctor, good afternoon. You're on the air with Doctor Bhattacharya.
1: Guys, guys, long time since we've spoken, Drew. Um, hey, John. How are Dr. you, Doctor J? yeah we know each other uh i'm looking forward to meeting you at one of our COVID events um uh i've been treating thousands of patients with COVID all over the country and of course i'm i've been very vocal about masks should be off of the children and unnecessary vaccine of children and i'm very concerned very concerned about this psychological warfare strategy with the with all these test kits now, I'd like to hear your, your opinions about that, because frankly, what I'm seeing, in, in, in not just in clinical practice as a family physician taking care of kids and everyone, but in my community is that people, and in my school, my kids' schools, Catholic schools, um, they're testing these kids which, which, with, for what has become a self-limited, cold, flu-like illness in children. You know that, the Omicron, or here in Florida. We're testing children left and right. We're continuing to mask them. We're getting them vaxxed, and we're getting them quarantined. Our kids' Catholic schools quarantine quarantining them, and then especially quarantining the unvaccinated healthy kids. This is a diocesan policy where I am. I'm tr- the point I'm trying to make with these test kits is that it just drives the, the pandemic of fear when we now have the most weakened variant of this coronavirus. Why in God's name? Well, I know why. I can tell parents, I tell parents to take those swabs and get rid of them. We don't want them. We're just driving up uh, the fear and not really affecting what's happening with this virus clinically because it is self-limited at this point. And you can discuss that, please. You know, do you agree with that?
3: I, I agree uh, in many ways with what you just said. I think that, that we have driven, pan- panic has been part of the policy that that's driven this epidemic. Uh, many epidemiologists that have worked on this have, have pushed panic sort of irresponsibly through for, two, for almost two two years running rather than a calm appraisal of what the risks are and who's actually at risk and how to, how to manage that risk. Um, I agree with you also that the harm to children has been something that we will have to come to terms with. There was no good reason to close schools. Uh, The masks on children. There's no randomized evidence to suggest it's worthwhile. And, you know, I mean, there may be kids that can. Uh, that can tolerate mass well, but on the other hand, there's, there are kids that aren't, and there's no good reason unless unless you, unless you can provide a good, solid evidence that it actually slowed disease spread, which there isn't. Um, there wasn't any good reason to do that either. I think we're going to have to take a close, hard look at our policies that we follow with respect to kids. I entirely agree with all of those points. Um, I think uh, the, the, the one point, I think, about the tests, uh, you are right that people have been using these tests to, dry, to essentially to impose a lockdown by stealth uh people have been uh, you know you t- you use a test for a close contact uh, you know, the tests have false positives and false negatives. You, 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 you end up putting people in quarantine for a long time, even though they're not actually infectious or at any risk to anybody else, especially with Omicron, which is more mild. I do think that there are some uses for the test that, are, that could be worthwhile. So, for instance, there are people that are older that are still vulnerable, um, you know, even, even with the vaccine, uh, the, you know, and even though it's Omicron, it's still, you know, if you're older or, you know, compromised in some way. So if you're going to go visit somebody like that, you're going to go visit grandma, you know, she's vulnerable then you, the test has some use right just so to check you check yeah. yourself at home yeah. before you go visit
1: well can I just say can I just say one more thing I've been saying that to my kids I have a 94 year old mom every year when it's cold and flu season they don't go see my mom because if she gets influenza especially with H1N she would die could die so I don't I tell every child not to stay away from grandma or grandpa when they have a bad cold or flu I don't think we should treat this any differently at this point with Omicron and, and lastly, this one other point. Thank you for having uh, Drew, having Jay on the show. Doctor, Ch- he's fantastic. No, I love he? him. Right. Um, this what I have been saying is we are going to see a society that in, this pandemic of fear is going to last forever. I've been calling it PTSD. Everyone, these children are going to be reminded of this. Just like when we used to have the drills during the Cold War, where we go running out in our elementary schools with our hands mm-hmm. over the back of our head because, you know, our towns would be bombed by the Soviets. This is going to last forever. These children are going to always be told if you don't want to go back to what you lived like in 21 and 22 when you were quarantined and, and couldn't see your, your f- parents in the hospital, you got to get lined up for your shots every year. I mean, this is just how the government. So anything that you get from .gov, I say throw it away. Mm-hmm. Tell them to take it back. I'm not trusting our .gov anywhere. I, I mean, I, I'm dying because I get calls at 3, 3 in the morning and 4 in the morning from patients who are panicking over positive yeah. tests. No, I, won't doctor, call 20 Dr. LeTel- I, I mean, I have to say that.
2: Uh, let, let me bring uh, Dr. Botticelli. Feel free to respond to the, those comments, but uh, I also want your take before you run on these N95 masks that are now going out. Because I, I know you've been anti-mask since the beginning of this pandemic. Your thoughts on that? I'd like to get Dr. Jay's take on it. Because look, you're going to get free N95s, uh, and I, I think it's a great idea. But I know you you don't think they're very effective.
1: Yeah. I think it's it's beyond not effective. It's ludicrous. I, I I go to several hospitals. I see doctors sitting in doctor's lounges by the dozens, eating and visiting and talking and walking around the room without masks. And they go out into an empty hallway and put on their surgical masks in an empty hallway. So, I I mean, we all know we're living a lie with these masks. We're a complete lie. And the N95s is not a realistic thing for everybody. It is something that should be happening in the COVID units and in the, you know, especially during the Delta variant, especially during the Delta. With Omicron, Hey, guys, you know what I say? Everyone should be exposed to Omicron. That's good news. I've just gotten over it. My daughter, my son, my wife, everyone of us has had it in the last week. It's a nasty cold, a flu, fever, chills, back, backache, headache. So it's not a I'm not going to be wearing an N95 to avoid the Omicron variant. With Delta, if you live in Ohio, Michigan and Indiana, where that's still going around, you're high risk. n 95s sure.
2: Thumbs up. Dr. Bhattacharya, what do you think?
3: So, I, so, first, let me just address the, the comment about uh, about the harm to children and the panic and the fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely agree. The, the, the harm that we've done to our children. Uh, I mean, in many red, uh, in many states, including my California, where I live, the kids were out of school essentially for a, a year and a half. That will have very long term negative consequences. And we will, uh, the, the question is whether those consequences come about will de- be determined based on what policy we followed. I think we have to make a renewed investment in our children, and, and especially to address. The psychological harms and other harms that have come from the policies we've followed on on our kids, the the miss schooling, uh, mm-hmm. that's something I think uh, will depend on what we choose to do. It's not. I don't think it's a done deal that that this harm will have to be. We can, we should work as hard as we can to mitigate it in coming years. Um, regarding the mass, uh the the N ninety five mask, I I think uh, you know a lot of the controversy over masks has to do with that there really hasn't been very good evidence on, on which people have made these recommendations about masks. I mean, I think, uh, for instance, I believe do believe there's some good evidence that masks, like N95 masks, if worn properly and in, in a fitted way by people who are trained to wear it in settings like hospitals, can do a lot of good. Um, we should treat, and, and, the, the, and I think that kind of, that kind of like thinking about masks makes, makes sense to me. On the other hand, uh, sending N95s Four of them, uh, and expecting this to have a substantial effect on the pandemic, I think it's just wishful thinking. I don't think that it will have a, a very large effect on the pandemic uh, at all. And for many people, especially putting it on kids, I think makes very little sense. If kids are not fit tested for N95 masks, and I don't think that was a very good idea to do that without uh, mm-hmm. preparing the population at large and explaining what really the end point of the strategy is. Gotcha. All right. Hey, Dr.
2: Littell, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you for for
3: your and we call. did have
1: to get. Thank you for me no, on there. I appreciate yeah, no, it. Ahead. We did, by the way, have to final go through the fit te- Yeah, in the, in the hospitals, we did have to get fit tested for those N95. That is a very good point you make there. And sending it to the public is really kind of ludicrous because no, you're going to see 80-year-olds wearing trying to wear N95s that don't know what they're doing. And and honestly, walking in out of grocery stores, you don't need a mask. So, hey. Good. It's great to be with you all. God bless. Back to patients. Thank you,
2: Dr. J. Right. Oh. <laughs> Always good to hear from you. Call anytime, okay? Good to have you. My guest today, uh, Dr. Jay you, Bhattacharya, we're giving you the latest on COVID-19, the numbers, the vaccines that are coming out. We're taking a look at the efficacy of the ones that we already have and so much more. If you want to get in, the numbers triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to let me see who's up next. Um, let, let me go to Gabby first. And J- Joe's got a great ca- uh, question about Novavax. I want to get to him too in a second. But let me sneak Gabby in Boston, Boston, Mass. Hi, Gabby. Good afternoon.
4: Hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I saw a uh, virologist on Fox News uh, a little while back, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> he mentioned uh, that he believed. Uh, I guess for lack of a better term, I'm saying uh, that every time people get uh, um, the COVID vaccination, it decreases their immune system somehow. And if they end up getting a booster, they're going to, after that, at that point, um, because their immune system is so weakened, uh, they'll they'll always need to get boosters. And I just was wondering if that's something that you agreed with or not.
3: So uh, so, um, I don't think there's evidence that, Getting the vaccine reduces your immune system. I think the, the, the evidence that I've seen suggests that the vaccine works against severe disease. It, it won't protect you against getting infected. In fact, many, many, many people who got the vaccine got infected, including me. Uh, but on, on, on average, it will reduce, it tends to reduce the efficacy against infection, um, against severe disease. I will say this. The vaccine was developed on a version of the virus that no longer is circulating. It's a it's a variant that was that was the yeah. original uh, Wuhan ver- version of the virus. The version of the virus that's now circulating is has a has a different sort of pattern in the spike protein, um, and so the efficacy of this variant of this this vaccine is going to be less than of the vaccine that's specifically designed for this, uh, this variant. Uh, there's also an open question whether for many people it's, it's even necessary given how mild it is. I, do, I think for the, the main thing to remember about this, the virus and also the vaccines is that for the virus, there's a thousand fold difference in the risk of the severe disease. Older people face the, mo- the biggest risk, young people much less so. And the, 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 the vaccine stops that risk. It's a really good thing, even though there are some uncertainties about its safety and so on. Um for younger people the calculus is very different. For younger people, the vaccine, um the the virus is much less risky, especially Omicron, and you still have those questions about the safety, it's it's a much closer question. You should I, I recommend going talking to doc your doctor about it to see if it makes clinical sense for you. For older people I think it basically should be everybody should be vaccinated. All right. Well said uh Joseph's yeah, I, uh... listed in... oh, go Gaby. Good finish
2: Thank up. You. No, good. Oh,
4: okay. No, I, I just personally chose uh, not to risk side effects, and I, I've actually uh, had COVID uh, last year, oh. and I, I just took you know a lot of supplements, and I'm, I was fine. But, but that's that was my choice, yeah. and and that's the way I hope things stay. You know it would give people a choice of you know, right. wh- you know what they want to risk or not, <clears throat> you
2: know. That- Th- thanks, yeah, Gabriel. Follow- Go ahead, Doctor. Oh, I, I was going to say like,
3: I, 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 that that points that she, the last point you made, is really mm-hmm. important. I think yeah. um, it, these these things ought to be something that's, that that you make as, a, as a, you know, at, with informed consent. You yeah. should talk to your doctor about it and, and get good information about it, and then then be, be decide on the basis of your own health status and your own values. I, I don't think it should be forced, and it has been forced, which I think has led to a lot of distrust of both medicine and public health, and I think that's really unfortunate. A lot, a lot a lot of people lost their jobs because they didn't. They, they made a, di- a different choice than uh, you and know, I might have recommended for the vaccine. I think it's really yeah. wrong.
2: So, doctor, you said you've been vaccinated, of course. Um, I, I, I want to address this before I go to other vaccines and things that are out there. So the Pfizer, the Moderna, the J&J, they targeted the Wuhan virus, the, the vaccine, the, the first version of COVID. We've had beta, delta, Omicron, right? So we have the variants of it. Effective, 94 percent, Pfizer and others were claiming, for that first version, uh, Pfizer and Moderna used the mRNA technology to develop this. And there's great apprehension, great concern on the part of a lot of people. They don't want the vaccination. You've seen it in the military. You've seen it in the medical community. We've seen a lot of people not want to get it because they were unsure of this new technology. I, I, just for the sake of those who have been vaccinated, those who are still contemplating taking the current vaccine, Um MRNA and the way this was developed. Can you just address that all at once? Because it is safe. There's a lot going around that people say it's not safe, and there's a lot of stuff that people are now reading and 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 um, that is being put forth saying, hey, it's not, you know? So, I mean, a lot of confusion over the, the safety of these vaccinations, and I'd love your take on that.
3: Sure. So uh, the way the MRNA technology works, it, now, your body w- – it just normally, every cell, you know, your body has this apparatus of producing proteins. The proteins that it produces are these l- like long chains of, of amino acids, where it's like basically programmed by your DNA for what those amino acids should be in the chain. Your DNA then is translated into RNA, and then the RNA is translated into DNA. The, pro- the, the DNA then is uh, sorry, sorry into, into proteins, and and so like the, so now what this vaccine does? Normal vac- like most vaccines, what they do is they Provide your body exposure to some small snippet of the virus or some inactivated version of the of the, of the pathogen, and your body reacts, your immune response, um, and remembers that that it, uh, it that it was that it, that uh, what the virus or pathogen looks like. So the next time it sees it in real life, you can launch an attack against it. The, the mRNA vaccine, what it does is it essentially tricks your cells into producing a little snippet of the virus, not the virus itself, but a little snippet of the virus. And then your body attacks it and remembers. It acts like a vaccine, but it has that extra step of tricking your cells into producing the va- the, the, the snippet of the virus, this the this, this spike protein. Um, the the it is a new technology. I mean, it's it's been it's been around for for years, but it's new in mass use in humans. And so mm-hmm. there's still a lot of uncertainty around it. So I can understand patients' yeah. concerns about this. Um, and we know, we know so far is that if you're young men, especially, that it produces this high risk of, of myocarditis, high meaning somewhere in the order of 1 in 3,000 to 1 in 10,000 risk of myocarditis. Uh, patients who, get, who take it, young men especially, will, will have that higher risk. Um, there are other rare risks as well. Um, it's, it's not... I would say that people are looking very, very hard to see what those side effects are and what the, what the higher risks are, um, and those are so far what's been found. Can, I, is it, can we guarantee that there won't be others ever found again? And the answer is no, because it's still a relatively new technology. So, uh, so it is completely reasonable, I think, for a patient to be worried about that. It depends on their values, how they deal with uncertainty and risk. They differ from person to person. I think the right thing to do is provide people with honest answers about what the benefits are and what the risks are. And that let people make their minds up. Uh, there are other alternatives, mm-hmm. right? So, for instance, mm-hmm. the the uh, there's the uh, the J and J vaccine, which has a, a different mechanism. This this adenovirus vector v- vaccine, um, and there's supposedly coming out a new vaccine called a new, called uh, the NovaVax vaccine, which will be more yeah. of a traditional vaccine. Uh, that not yet approved in the U S., but uh, right. approved, I think, in thirty different countries. So, so it's we'll, possible, we'll talk but, about NovaVax,
2: doc, because I have to take a break. Let's do that on the other side. But but J and J too. I mean, I just might. This is me personally. I have a moral concern with the J&J vaccination because that was developed in aborted fetal cell lines, right? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and again, we'll go back to what the church has said. I mean, you can take all of these vaccines, but in that particular one, I think there's alternatives other than that that uh, may be a little bit moral. When we come back, I want to take your calls, okay? We'll talk Novavax, and we'll get all your questions in. If you're on hold, stay with me. You'll make it to air right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester.
0: Some doctors are now turning to this a decades-old, widely available drug called fluvoxamine. It's an FDA-approved antidepressant, but two randomized clinical trials found it can significantly reduce the risk of severe disease from COVID. In this case, there's actually pretty, really good data that this this has a benefit. Dr. David Boulware is studying fluvoxamine at the University of Minnesota. He says the drug works by reducing inflammation, not by attacking the virus directly, so it shouldn't be affected by Omicron. In November, a 1,500-person clinical trial in Brazil found fluvoxamine reduced the risk of emergency care or hospitalization by 30%. That's far less than Pfizer's pill, Paxlovid, but roughly the same benefit as Merck's pill, Molnupiravir. Fluvoxamine costs just $5 a treatment compared to hundreds of dollars for the other two. Clearly, if you have access to Paxlovid, you've got access to monoclonal antibodies, those are your first choice. But in my mind, this is sort of a third choice um, but it's actually
2: available. And so an available medicine is better than a theoretical medicine that doesn't exist. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, rather than, uh, well, leave high-risk patients untreated in early stages of infection, a lot of doctors are turning to other uh, available drugs and therapeutics. And there's, um, there's been such scarce conversation around therapeutics until recently. And there are new vaccines on the horizon. Uh, I've seen a lot of articles on ivermectin. I have a lot of people I know personally claim and and testify to its efficacy. So let's talk a little bit about it. If you're just joining me, it's good to have you with me. I'm delighted today to have Dr. Jay Bhattacharya join us. He teaches at the Center for Primary Care and Outcomes Research at Stanford University School of Medicine and is a specialist in infectious disease. You probably have seen him on uh, mainstream media. I've seen him on Fox. He's been on our program many times and... You know, he's here for you today. I'll answer a couple of your questions if you are on hold. We'll go back to your phones. And, Dr., uh, Covaxin, uh, the, the last one that was just mentioned, uh, which one is that, Flovoxin? I, I can't remember. Flovoxin, I think, is what it was. Ivermectin. I mean, there's lots of different things out there that people are saying are going to be effective in treating uh, these these variants. I'd love your take on that. What do you know about Covaxin or Flovoxin or Maybe we can even talk ivermectin or HCQ or some of the other things that people also are, are attributing to giving them better health.
3: Your thoughts? So um, Covaxin is, a, is, a, is actually another vaccine. It's, uh, it's an inactivated virus-based vaccine. Um, it's in widespread use in, in India, I think, and some other places, um, or at least a, 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 a few other places. But not, it's not approved for use in the United States. Um, I don't really know a ton about its, its properties relative to other vaccines that are approved for use. Um, the the what what we just heard that little clip we just heard was actually for a, a drug to treat COVID in the early stages of the disease. It's a, it's a drug called fluvoxamine. Fluvoxamine. Uh, it's gotten l- l- much less attention than ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. But um, as the clip said, which is true, there have just been a couple of randomized studies that have done have been done that suggest that it's very promising um especially given early uh there are some like uh, things where it's it's a it's a it's a uh it's a it's, a, it's an antidepressant and it uh we don't fully understand how, why it works or would work against covid but the these randomized trials are suggesting that it, that it might um the uh the the so th- that's actually quite promising because it's a, it's a cheap drug and widely available off patent um the the uh, other Therapies that he suggested, uh, 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 Paxlovid is a on patent drug that was approved, I think, by by Pfizer, that is quite effective. Also, at, if you take it early enough, to prevent you from getting into the uh, getting you know, being hospitalized or dying from COVID. Um, the the other one that he mentioned was. These monoclonal antibodies, which were, were quite effective against COVID, if given early, both uh, Paxlovid and monoclonal antibodies are approved for use in the U.S., but in many places are quite hard to find. Um, and so, I think when he says that uh, it's better to get early treatment that's available than to have. Theoretical early treatment is better That's not available. I, mean, I, I agree with that. I think um, sort of the compassionate use of these drugs, especially in the vulnerable populations in, 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 or for early treatment, was, would have been a really good idea. Um, I'll just say I don't believe that hydroxychloroquine works. The evidence seems to suggest that it doesn't. Um, the other drug, ivermectin, there's a fierce debate going on in the medical community whether it works or it doesn't work. Um, many, many people swear by it, but there's folks who look at some randomized trials where it didn't work and say, well, you know, the evidence is unclear. So I don't I don't know... The answer to that, I'll just say this: that if I had just ivermectin alone and nothing else available to me, and I was a vulnerable patient, uh, that I put myself as a vulnerable patient, I would, I would probably take it. That's well
2: said. We'll move along then. Diane is listening in uh, West Ellis, Wisconsin. Diane, good afternoon.
4: Yes, good afternoon. Um, I am seventy-five years old. I had COVID nineteen <clears throat> last year. I recovered in, in a week, but my GP said to stay in for the next three days, which I did. Then I got uh, the Omicron variant uh, three weeks ago. I'm over that. and My question is this. <clears throat> I'm in very good health, uh, and I am really debating whether to get vax because I don't believe in any of those vaccinations, and I'm just wondering if what, what the doctor thinks, um, right. you question. know, what I, if there are other benefits of a, a different natural vaccination that I can get, because I don't want to get this vaccination and I'll hang up and listen.
5: Thank you.
3: Thank you, Diane. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. So, uh, so that, the, the thing is like after you have had COVID and recovered, you have pretty good protection against, um, reinfection for a while. Uh, the, the evidence before Omicron was that it, for a full year after you were inf- infected and recovered, you'd have uh, only 1%, or less than 1% of patients got reinfected. With Omicron, the reinfections are happening despite previous infection. Um, and we, of course, we don't know what future variants will look like. Uh, if it's like other coronaviruses, what is likely to happen is that you will get repeatedly infected throughout your life. Um, and now that sounds scary, but the thing is that natural immunity provides strong and lasting protection against severe disease the next time you get it is more likely to be mild than the first time you got it. Um, Very likely mild relative to that. And, 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 uh, you know, as you get, as you get it a second, third time, it'll become more like a cold to you. Um, Now, whether a vaccine provides protection above and beyond that is necessary for you is a, a, I think something that you really should ask your doctor about. It's not something that I should, uh, you I because I need, would need to know more about your clinical and just make a real recommendation. Uh, If you're vulnerable Patient, it might make some sense because you get some additional protection against severe disease. Um, if you're older, it might make some sense. Um, and, you know, so but it's 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 much much less important than if you've never been exposed before to COVID and you're older. Then the vaccine is really worthwhile to protect against severe disease.
2: All right, Mike in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Thanks for waiting. Good afternoon.
1: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have kind of an odd question. I'm a carpenter, and I and I use earplugs.
3: And I've been—I've always been wondering—is there any chance that you could get COVID from, let's say, I have, you know, some COVID on my fingers, and I put
1: and I put my earplugs in? Can I get COVID that way? Is that possible?
3: Uh, thank you for that question. So I, you know, I think the, uh, in the early days of COVID, people didn't really know how it was transmitted, and so people thought it might get transmitted by something called fomite transmission. Phonite means that you. You have a little bit of the virus sit on surfaces. It could be an earplug, it could be anything, and then you touch it, and um, and you, you it is transmitted that way. I maybe mean, you touch your nose, you touch your eyes, you touch, and maybe even your ears. It's possible, I imagine. Um, but it turns out the evidence to date, I think, more strongly supports an aerosol spread. That that, that uh, it it's it sits the virus sits in the air and you breathe it in through your nose, um, is the pro- most likely way you get COVID. Uh, at least the most common way that seems to be that what the evidence suggests. Uh, so it's, I don't think that you should worry so much about the the earplugs. It's not something that you, yeah. it's going to, uh, it's not likely to be a source of COVID for you.
2: All right, Mike. Thank okay. you. Thanks a lot.
3: Hang in there. Dan is listening
2: in Pennsylvania. Dan, good afternoon.
1: Yes, that's kind of what the caller there was asking about. Can we get the virus through our eyes? I mean, mm. we're wearing mask, but can right. we, you know, just get it through our eyesight?
3: That's a great question. Yes, that's a good question. So uh, there are viruses that that cause uh, that that are spread through you know through through eyes. Like you can you can get it again and get it like that. Um, the most common mechanism is through the nose. Is I think what's the, what the evidence is showing. So it's possible. A lot of uh, a lot of the viruses that spread through the eyes. It's you you touch the virus gets on your fingers and then you just rub your eyes or something and you can get it. But, but um, that doesn't seem to be a primary mode of transmission for COVID. Of course it could happen mean, it's possible, I I suppose, but it's not something I would worry too much deep, too deeply about. And wearing goggles I don't think will protect you from getting COVID. Uh, So I I don't, I don't think that that's a necessary step.
2: Okay. Uh, Mike is listening in San Jose, California. Mike, good afternoon. You're on the air. Oh, good afternoon.
4: Love your show. Thanks. Uh, Simple question. I was wondering, What's the real death rate in China? Because the numbers reported seem extremely
2: low. Hmm. Doctor, do you have uh, the data on that? Well, what are the death numbers in China? What do we know? And, and you know, can we trust what's being released by, by China in terms of their COVID data?
3: Uh, I don't know the real death rate rates in, in China. The, the reported numbers are almost unbelievably low, uh, lower yeah. than basically anywhere else on Earth. Um, it's hard to say whether that's true, it's right, it's true or, there, or, or false. I, I will say this, like there are reports of massive lockdowns, lockdowns, yeah. incl- including like locking people literally in their in their homes and not letting them out. Quarantine camps. For, yep. Yeah, quarantine camps and things like that, that suggest that, that, that there's a COVID is more of a problem than, than uh, people have been letting on in, in China. I, I suppose we'll learn more over time. But right now, given the, the information, China looks like a very, very strong outlier from the rest of the world.
2: All right. Uh, thank you very much for your call. Kate, this is us in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Kate, good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon, Drew. Happy Hi. to be on your show and talking with Dr. J. I've listened to quite a bit of um, what he's had to say over the last month, and it's been great right. information for me and my husband, who is a physician. Now my husband is a physician, a cancer physician, so he's not dealing you know, directly with the COVID. Right. Right. Um but initially he was all on board with the vaccines and i was a little more hesitant to begin with and began you know providing him with information because he's busy at work he doesn't have time to be researching this and that about the covid um so once i started you know giving him information that dr j has and other reputable sources he's kind of turned around his thinking on it um so dr j was mentioning you know repeatedly I've heard him say, you should talk to your physician. But a lot of what my husband has seen, a lot of the other physicians, they're all just get the vaccine, get the vaccine. And I think a lot of them just don't, haven't had time to really be researching and finding out the information, you know, the pros and cons of it. Um, so I guess my question is, does Dr. J feel that every primary care physician that people are talking to are well-educated on that?
3: You know, I guess, uh, thank you for that question, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a really excellent question. I, my, my philosophy about this is that, that you're, if a physician who knows you well uh, but doesn't know the, the full extent of the literature is going to give you better advice than a physician who just knows the literature but doesn't know you well. Um, because all of medicine, to me, is an individualized, personalized thing. It has to be someone that, that, yeah. that, that, that you trust and that's someone that, that, that has your best interest at heart and knows you. Um, so I think I do agree that many physicians have have not uh, sort of looked to, so deeply as 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 as, uh, as I'm, I might have hoped into into some of the, mm-hmm. some of the uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the medical literature on this. Uh, but that's true for a lot of things. The, the question is like a responsible physician who knows you well will want to like. Uh, Tailor the therapy that, that 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 they're thinking about to your particular ind- individual condition. I, I just—it's always a trade-off. There's no perfect here, and I lean on the side of uh, recommending you talk with a physician who knows you well, rather than um, than than trying to like get medicine from the internet or or or. To, to, and you know, I, it would be mm-hmm. best if we had informed physicians who knew you well that, that had your best interest to start giving you giving you advice. That's not always possible, but I do believe that physicians generally want, what's good for their patients. And that's that's the basis of my advice. Gotcha.
2: All right.
5: Well, thanks. Pa- I appreciate your input.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good to have you call, and thank you for, uh, for a good question. Uh, it's about 15 minutes before the top of the hour. Doctor, I'm going to take one final pause here, and then when we come back, we are in the home stretch today of the Drew Mariani Show. If you have a question, a comment, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the latest with COVID, everything from vaccinations to therapeutics, Uh, to what we need to know. How do we get out of the pandemic? Where are we? How do we exit this? Uh, If you want to join us, 888-914-9149. You can call now to get in. 888-914-9149. Our conversation will continue right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester.
0: Get caught up on that conversation you missed by going to the Relevant Radio archives. Just select The Drew Mariani Show.
2: Such a great idea, Mr. Announcer man. <laughs> I like that. Matt, thank you. Uh, if you missed any of this conversation... Or if you say, I really want to share that with my spouse or this friend or this coworker, you can find the show where all podcasts uh, can be found. And Maggie will have this broadcast up probably about an hour after we're off. Of course, you can go to RelevantRadio.com, go to my, uh, my my podcast, go to my show page, and you'll find today's broadcast along with a lot of others. Also, while you're at Relevant, let me just put one final thing in here for you. Something free, something we want to give to you, Okay. Uh, and I want to thank Solidarity Health Share. This year, Relevant Radio and Solidarity Health Share, uh, they're offering something I think pretty cool. They're offering a free ebook download. It's called The Choice Is Yours. Uh, I read it over the weekend. It's only like 11 or 12 pages. It's called The Choice Is Love. All right. So it's yours for absolutely nothing. It's absolutely free. You just download it. Go to relevantradio.com forward slash fast. Okay. Relevantradio.com forward slash fast. Check it out read it, share it with someone else, you know, be a great evangelist. Uh, You'll you'll love what's in this. And we ask you to do this too. If you have a Twitter account, use the hashtag fast for life. All right. Hashtag fast for life. And just let us know how you are fasting, how you are participating in the calls for life. You know, the March for Life is this weekend and uh, we're inviting you to pray asking you to sacrifice for the unborn to do your part. Maybe you're suffering from COVID right now and your head hurts or you got the fog or, you know, who knows? Offer it up. Make that a sacrifice for the cause of life in this country. And when you fast, and I encourage you to do that, to make small sacrifices and make large sacrifices, fasting becomes a whole new experience for the body. When it's done properly, um, you know, not only will you see the physical benefits, the physiological benefits, but you're going to see the spiritual benefits from it, too. Fortitude and temperance and a strong will will all come from from fasting. I'm telling you, your right order will come from this. You'll be aligned. Your, your prayers will be powerful. Your spiritual landscape will clarify. So let's pray and fast for this cause. Hashtag fast for life and go to relevantradio.com forward slash fast. Take advantage of that free Download, okay? It's a free ebook called The Choice is Love. All yours, you know, because of Relevant Radio and Solidarity Elsewhere. So I want to thank them for this effort. My guest today, if you're just tuning in, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, we are talking all things COVID. And you are welcome. I know you're on hold. I'll do my best to get back into the phones. Doctor, before I jump back in the phones, Maggie and I were talking during the break. And I, I, I want to talk about something outside of the physiological. I want to talk about state of mind Uh, we've been in this sickness if you will i mean to be sick for a year two years uh it can be depressing we've seen depression anxiety levels increase suicide rates go up we've seen people begin to drink more i mean there's a whole litany of things people have lost their business there's a whole mentality that surrounds covid and i'd like you to address the mental state of these things too what what's the proper outlook Uh, So many people have given in to fear, Uh, and John Paul II always said, "Be not afraid." I know we're supposed to have hope, and we will get through this, and COVID will be in the rearview mirror one day. But I'd love your take on
3: that. I mean, that's that's so important, Drew. That uh, that what's what's happened in the last two years is really is a trauma, and uh, it's led to so much psychological. Suffering and, and and difficulties, of course, also lots of deaths as well. Uh, but I think that it's not healthy to live our lives focused on the prevention and avoidance of a single disease. There's so many other uh, you know risks in life, of course, from from diseases, but also so much else to live for. Uh, that that and to make our life only about COVID. I think it just it 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 not only can't it go on it should not go on um I think with the, with the arrival of Omicron especially we have an opportunity to look at the risk Soberly and say, well, you know, this is this just joins the 200 other diseases that affect humans. We can manage it. Uh, we, 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 you know, it's not that it will never happen. Uh, that we'll ever get it. I mean, it might. You might get it. You might get a cold. You might get a uh, flu. You might get all, all kinds of other things. But you don't stop your life to, to focus on just avoiding bad things. You live your life uh, without fear, without uh, with, with with an understanding that we have we're, you know, we're given by God with a purpose, um, and and that purpose isn't just Avoidance of 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 COVID. Uh, that's why I would tell you, listeners: just go live your life. Stop. Stop. You don't need the fear anymore. Uh, the, the, we have now have so many good ways to dealing with COVID. Um, there's no reason for the the, the way we've lived anymore lived lived in the past two years to continue much longer.
2: All right, that's wonderfully said, my guest, Doctor Jay Bhattacharya. Let's go back to the phone, Chicagoland, and good afternoon.
5: Hi, good afternoon. I would like to know whether my five-year-old grandchild should be vaccinated, and my 13-year-old niece should be vaccinated. Her mother's beside herself about it.
3: Uh, so, hello? Uh, it's, hello? 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 Uh, just making sure. I, so I, if I understand, so the question is whether your, your mother should be vaccinated, and whether your niece should be vaccinated?
5: My five-year-old grandson, yeah. they're planning to vaccinate him. Is it oh, at think... all necessary? And my 13-year-old Niece, yeah. Whose mother has not want to vaccinate her, but she's being forced yeah. to probably.
2: And I'm glad you called with that. We could talk. There's a huge question for a lot of parents out there. I mean, should their
3: children be vaccinated? Do kids need it? I, I generally don't think that kids need to be vaccinated for COVID. Um, I'll tell you why. It's not that the vaccine is unsafe it's that the benefit to vaccinating kids is so small. Now there are some kids maybe with, with uh, you know chronic conditions or immunocompromised or whatnot that may, may might make some sense to be vaccinated. So it's, a, it's a, again, a clinical decision that you should consult with, with your pediatrician over. But as a general rule, most kids, uh, COVID is a mild disease. And therefore you're preventing what's basically a mild disease and you're trading, while there's lower rates of, of side effects, you're trading some side effects. So very little in the way benefits and some costs, uh, I, I would generally say no. But uh, you know, I think again, it should be a clinical decision that's made on the on the after you've consulted with physicians. All right,
2: well said, so, and thank you for that call. Doctor Don is listening also in Chicago. Doctor, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Jay and and uh, um, um, uh, Drew. Drew, um, I'm, a psychi- I'm a psychiatrist in the Chicago area, and I've been really interested in the use of fluvoxamine the antidepressant that has anti-inflammatory properties. And uh, it was a big study out of Brazil that showed some effectiveness uh, when used early on in COVID cases. I just wondered what your thoughts were about the use of fluvoxamine in um, uh, uh, early diagnosed COVID patients.
3: I mean, it seems like it's very promising, right? There's been now a couple of randomized trials that show a positive benefit to it. Uh, I don't. It is, as yes, you mentioned, the the mechanism seems to be some sort of an anti-inflammatory effect. Although that that uh, I believe the mechanism is still not well known. At least I don't have a, yeah. a clear picture of it in my in my head of how, how exactly it works. But the randomized trials are so promising um, that yes. yeah, I think it's worthwhile. I do. I do. I've seen some um, some cautions around you know if you shouldn't be taking alcohol or or caffeine when you're on it. But apart from that minor inconvenience, I think if if you take it early, it does seem to show promise in in reducing the risk of of, uh, bad outcomes of COVID.
1: Yes, yes. Thanks very much for that opinion. I appreciate it. Thank you
2: very much. Doctor, thanks for your call. Good call. All right. Uh, Pasadena, California. Ella, good afternoon.
5: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. So, Uh, I got a flu shot about 10 years ago. It was the first time and the last time I ever took it because I developed trouble breathing and my allergist said, don't ever get another flu shot. So am I going to be allergic to the COVID vaccine?
3: uh so that's a good question so uh the 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 flu shot is developed with a very different technology than the covid vaccine is uh, now there are some vaccines that share some uh, sort of uh so, some of the materials not just not the mrna Vaccine itself, but some of the other materials that go into the vaccine that might be shared with this, with the, with other vaccines, in the, um, the, where you have an allergy. So, without knowing more about your case, I'd, I'd, I'd say that it's unlikely that you would get an allergy from this just because you got an allergy to the flu shot. But again, that's something you should consult with your allergist about to make sure, make double sure. Um, the CDC actually does say that there are some allergies if you have an established allergy to some of the ingredients in the COVID vaccine, you shouldn't take the COVID vaccine. Right. Right. Um. So but, but so that's something to double check with your doctor about. Before t-
2: I, I, I have a friend that actually got her shingle shot and had a flu shot at the same time and was in bed for quite a while. So getting those vaccines close together, is that a problem? Any sort of vaccine I, like this?
3: Your COVID? I mean, gener- generally, I think it's, it's better to space vaccines apart. Okay. I, I don't think it's generally a good idea to, to Okay. Expose your bodies with the same, the, uh, multiple vaccines all, all together at the same time, unless it's been tested like, for instance, like in kids. Gotcha. Sandy, in San Antonio, you have about a minute, so if you can make it
2: quick, that would be great.
4: Hi. Is, are there any therapeutics that have no connection to the HEK-293 cells in the development of the protein or testing or no connection at all?
3: Great question. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know a ton about. Uh, so, so can you explain to me what you what you have in mind? Because the 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 therapeutics that I know about are like the monoclonal antibody treatment, which are essentially antibodies to the spike protein. Um, specific antibody spike protein there's the there's the um, ivermectin and fluoxamine which seem to work by reducing inflammatory uh, cascades that, that result that, so it's not i don't i don't know specifically the uh, the mechanism you have in mind
2: said you'll have to call back we'll have to revisit that question my apologies to everyone who did not make it to air i'm out of time i wish i had more time with you i really do i always like hanging out with you uh, I'll be back again. Until then, you can revisit this conversation in our archives and, uh, of course, tell others about the broadcast. Until our passing again cross, remember God loves you, and so do I. My thanks to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya.